We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Feel like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by zonecoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. It is Monday afternoon. We're about 72 hours away from the 2019 NBA draft, and Dave Benz is here in studio. We were just talking before this. It's been about two months since you were here. You've been all over the world. Like, what's up? Yeah, yeah. When I was here last, I was the season had just ended, and I yeah. was getting ready for my my you know world tour, my my <laughs> crazy Ben's thirty world days. Tour. Yeah, it was like it was crazy. I I, I went. Um, I was here. Then I went to New York uh, and uh, upstate New York and visited my family. Then I went back to California. Uh, where I spent a lot of my off season. Then I went to Florida to work a pickleball tournament uh, for the U.S. Open Pickleball Championships. So it's a lot of people chuckle at, but it's a growing sport. It's so much fun, and I I love working that tournament. And so, that, do you like know the rules of pickleball? Oh yeah, well? oh yeah, okay. I know the rules of pickleball. I mean, it's like my my uh, fourth year being associated with it. <laughs> so, and and uh, you know what? The, it, I love going out there because. Um, it's fun. First of all, it's a great event. And and if anybody, I know we're doing an NBA podcast, but if anybody out here plays pickleball, um, you, you know, you should go down to Naples. The, the, the um, structure, the facility that they have there is unbelievable. They've got 54 courts. They've all got this uh, special soft, like sport tech surface. It's the same or Duro, Duro, uh, Duro, Tur- I forget what it's called. I should know the name of it. <laughs> Do you play pickleball? Deco Turf, it's called. I play, not at that level, though. I mean, these people are really, really good. Hmm. Um, and it's the same turf as they, surface they use at Flushing Meadow uh, for the okay. U.S. Open. Um, and there's this girl down there um, who was 12. And, I mean, she's just got the it factor. I know it sounds crazy, but, like, <laughs> In terms of like pickleball, in terms of I mean, she's like the the Venus Williams sisters version of pickleball. I mean, she is just 
unbelievable. And her and this 14-year-old, they played in the highest bracket you can play in in mixed like against doubles. Adults? Against adults without being pro. They played the highest wow. bracket you can be in without being pro, and they won the 12 and the 14-year-old. They were they were killing it. It was can you awesome. imagine losing that game? Uh, well, we talked about on the, the broadcast, we actually got the – when we were there and we were seeing this girl play, we were like – we have to get her moved to center court and we got mm. her match moved to center court because it was just, it's obvious that this girl's got, if there can be such a thing as a star, but you laugh pickleball, like the people that are doing it. I didn't know I was going to talk so much about pickleball. <laughs> the people that are doing pickleball as pros right now, they can actually in this day and age make pretty good, pretty good bucks because mm. uh, not only is are there starting well, it's televised, to televised, I mean, it's televised. The per the total purse for the tournament this year down in Naples, I think was like 75 grand and it's not even that, but it's endorsement money with these, with these companies. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's a good little thing. So if you get a chance to go down there, check it out. Then I went from Naples, Florida to Naples, Italy, and well, I didn't spend much time in Naples. I, I Didn't you like run into one of the Timberwolves? Yes. Something? I should probably give a shout out. So um, this guy, Delio Pasquini, uh, who, uh, he, he said, even in Italy, his name Delio is, is not an easy name to say. I'm probably still butchering it. Um, but he, uh, so the guy I was going to go to Italy with actually had a medical issue pop up about a week and a half before we were supposed to go. And his doctor told him he couldn't travel internationally for like 30 days. He didn't want him to leave the country. So sure. I ended up going alone and I was out there and I was on social media and I got all of a sudden hit up by somebody from the Timberwolves Army, yeah. uh, Timberwolves Army, Italy. And they were like, hey, you're in Italy? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, where are you going to be? And so I, you know, uh, told this guy my itinerary. He's like, oh, he's like, Delio is in Rome because I spent most of my time in Rome. Yeah. He's like, I got to hook you guys up. So I connected it with this guy, Delio. He's a huge Timberwolves fan, man. I mean, it blew my mind how much he knew about the team, how much he wanted what? to talk about the team. He's watching games. He he's he the games tip off there at like 2 a.m. And he's watching games like till four. He's he says he's like he'll, oh, he'll build his whole schedule around staying up to watch the games live. It's wild. I mean, I have a handful of people like that who just, you know, like reach out on Twitter and stuff, you know, like somebody like in Denmark or Germany and stuff like you know. And I'm always interested in like what is your connection or what makes you like choose the Timberwolves and it's somewhere down the line of a the answer is always KG it's always KG yeah yeah well it's it's KG or like my dad was in Minneapolis at this time or right, something or the right. other but it is cool to you know see that it expands globally whereas like sometimes I think you know just because of the trials the Timberwolves have gone through you're like oh it's just this kind of small group of like fans who have really stayed diehard to a up and down franchise you know but people there's, it's it's bigger, I think, than we, you know, might expect. Well, I mean, the NBA as a whole, it, it's right. the, the only sport in the world that is bigger globally than the NBA is soccer. Right. And, you know, domestically, clearly the NFL still rules the roost. And then after that, you, you know, I know the baseball fans will make an argument that it's baseball. And I mean, because they play 162 games and there's some more revenue potential, I suppose. And I haven't done the numbers. I suppose that, it, you know, they may still be slightly ahead, but in terms of fan popularity and fan recognition, well, social I, media. I, 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 I think I, the NBA is clearly, you know, number two domestically behind the NFL when it comes to those things. And so, the Timberwolves as an extension of that. And I mean, I was blown away to, you know, have a Timberwolves fan that diehard of a fan. And the guy was great. Delio was fantastic. And he showed me all around Rome. And, um, you know, it was, it was, Sweet. it was cool. Shout out Delio. Shout out Delio. All right. So I made a list of things that have happened since last time you were here, which okay. was right after the season. 
One, they interviewed four POBO candidates, eventually hired Gerson Rosas. The lottery happened. They moved down. The combine happened. Gerson and Ryan were there, but you didn't really know what was going on with Ryan. They interviewed the other candidates. Then Ryan was hired, big press conference, hired a new front office, hired a new defensive coordinator, hired a new offensive coordinator, and then the Warriors dynasty ended. So what do you want to talk about? <laughs> That's a lot. It's a lot. Um, well, I mean, let's start with Gerson. I mean, yeah. I – and I know that it's public knowledge now because, you know, John Krasinski did a great job kind of detailing what went into the process. But, you know, Jim Pete was a big part of that. And so, yeah. uh, you know, I got to have some conversations with Jim about what went down. And, you know, I'm not going to go – pull the curtain back too much, but, um, let's just say that there is genuine excitement, um, you know, from Jim and because of the, because of, I finally got to meet Kurson. I was in Italy when, when yeah. the hiring happened. Um, so I finally got to meet Kurson at the, a viewing party and I know you were there yeah. uh, a couple of nights ago. Really cool. And, you know, everything that I heard, um, from Jim and the other people I talked to, you know, I, it just got underscored with me meeting him. And, um, I just, I just really am impressed by the fact that he is forward thinking mm -hmm. that he is leaving no stones unturned and, you know, he's got an attitude that, you know, if Kevin Durant's a free agent, we're going to try to get a meeting with him. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't matter if the, if, if, you know, the answer is always going to be no. And I think, you know, I don't want to speak in specifics, but, uh, you know, in generalities, I think, uh, the, the, the thinking has largely been, Hey, let's catch the fish that we can. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of realize that we're probably don't have the, you know, we don't have the bait and the tackle to be able to catch the big shark, but, but fire as many casts as you can. Right. Kinda. And if you don't try to catch the big shark, you never will catch the big shark, right. you know? So, um, and, and I think that some of the thinking is not only, Hey, you may not catch that big shark, but by going out and, and at least getting a meeting with somebody, you never know they may what influence they may have on somebody else down the road. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, and, and I'm just, you know, I'm just going to say player X because I don't want to talk specifics about any free agents or whatever and, and possibly get in trouble. Let's just say player X is a huge free agent and he's a, you know, franchise changing free agent. You may not get him, but by getting a meeting with him, you know, maybe he's going to then influence player Y and they're going to be sharing a locker room and player Y now is going to be coming up on free agency. Or an agent, like and, an agency to our management right, team. And like the, and the, I had a really good experience. Right. When I yeah. Went like, Hey, you know what? This may sound silly, but you, you know, you really should, should take a meeting with them because I was really impressed. You know, they weren't on my radar and at the time it really wasn't right for me, but I was impressed by what happened. And I just think that that kind of forward thinking, you know, can really pay dividends. And I, I'm really excited about the potential, um, you know, that Gerson brings to the table in that regard. And I was just kind of like thinking about, as we were at this, the, the viewing party on Thursday and um, Sasha and Gupta wasn't there, but John Luca Pascusi was, and you're just kind of looking around and Scott Layden's there and Rosa's and he's talking about, you know, kind of the places he's been and organizations and different connections he has. And for me, it was just kind of striking in the, I, I know that like the, the country club thing is like cliche, but but really it feels it feels so much more expansive that this new group has tentacles that spray out in so many different directions because Rosas is a lifer. Scott Layden, who you know, Scott Layden's a lifer. Like and Pascusi, Goop, I mean, it's there are they've like grinded to be Absolutely. where they are. And and part of that grind is I'm 
maybe the biggest part is the networking element of it, where they know all of these people and they, and I think that, that builds the confidence well, to, to, to request those. Well, and the meetings. other thing is that they know what it, they know what it takes to be able to get into the position that they're in. They know how hard the other people around them are working to be able to, you know, to ha- achieve higher things within the organization, w- within the league. Um, I, I had a conversation with Craig Ackerman, who's the Rockets radio play-by-play guy and uh, also does some of the TV for them. And, you know, Craig told me, he said, he said, uh, Gerson and I started the same year together as, <laughs> as interns, you know, so you think about that and how the road, you know, that they, so, I mean, to start as an intern and start your way on the bottom rung and work your way up, yeah. you develop an appreciation for what it takes to get there and for what the people around you are doing. And I just feel like, um, there is going to be a lot of cooperation from all sides of the organization and, and, you know, all factors are going to be considered, you know, when it comes to trying to not only make moves, but when it comes to trying to make players feel like they're a part of a family and that they're all on the same page trying to achieve something. And I can't, I'm not going to say that that hasn't been done in different ways before. I don't want to disparage previous regimes, but I just, the way that it seems like it's, being handled in in these early stages really resonates with me and has me excited. Right. He, the best way. And I, so, I mean, I've had the chance to, to talk to Gerson a handful of times already and over the, the couple you know months and you, you kind of hear the, I don't know, you hear the girl coming up as an intern and all that. And you, you respect that. Like you respect the grind of it. But at the same time, I think the other side of the coin is, is like, or does this even a basketball guy, you know? And that, that's maybe what someone would say. And my, my reaction to that has been so yes, he is. And he has just this like a quiet kind of confidence to him, but real, like he's, he's confident in like, yeah, I've done this. Like I have, I've, he, he talks about going on the circuit and like literally around the world, the circuit around the country. Like he, that I just, he just experienced beyond what you would assume from a 40 year old. Well, and you know, I mean, he he was a guy who was instrumental in the James Harden deal to come to yeah. Houston. Um, and, and, you know, I, I want to use the, the Raptors as the example. You know, I mean, the Raptors won the NBA title because, you know, Masai Ujiri was sure he was able to get Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. And that's huge. And that was transformational for that franchise. But. You know, he also was able to find a diamond in the rough in Fred Van Vliet. They were able to find, you know, uh, what was Siakam, like 20th or 24th? 27th, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, you're able to get a value pick that low in the draft, a guy who is, you know, now has star potential. So, you know, that's really how, especially with an organization like the Timberwolves, where, you know, let's face it, it's never going to be a geographically desirable place for free agents to come. It's just not. And I don't mean that as a slight against this city. I love this city. I love mm-hmm. this pe- love the people. There is so much that this city has to offer. There's such a great vibe about this city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that Ryan is, you know, trying to um, instill upon the players to spend more time here over the summer, because I think you get a lot different feel for this city and the and the people in the summer than you do in the winter when everybody's kind of inside. Um, you know, uh, but, you know, but the, the reality is you're going to have to be able to, you know, you, you're, you're probably not going to hit grand slams. You hope you can hit a home run every once in a while, but you need to be hitting a lot of doubles and a lot of triples. Well, and that's to your Toronto example. That's what happened. And it's the way to build a team when you can't go trade for Anthony Davis and sign LeBron James is to 
be acquiring not just like assets, not just like draft picks, but to, you know, to to have Jonas Valanciunas be a building block of that franchise for a while. DeMar DeRozan, they end up getting, I mean, they don't get the ring, but they end up being a critical part of, you know, the the puzzle that that got them there. And it's, when you, you look back at Toronto for the past eight years, it's it's not a lot of misses, you know, along the way. And, and I think that's the idea. I mean, I mean, Rosas is going to want to talk about a champ playoffs in the championship and this and that, but where the wolves are, it's going to be, it's going to be a building in, in that sort of capacity. And who knows when they are, do become contenders, right. what, what pieces will still be on the team, but there will be, it's just how it works. There will be a connection to player X became player Y became player Z. And now we're here. And I think, I think that really just takes a having like a longer view where I don't know. I think Flip kind of had that early on, but with with Tibbs, he believed that this group was we can do it right now or fairly soon. And I just think with how good the NBA has become, you know, well, to compete with I, I, to I, compete I, with the Lakers and the Warriors. You, you got to play chess when they're playing chess. Well, and I was looking the other day at the, um, you know, far too early 2019, 2020, which, by the way, blows my mind it's going to be 2020, but that's another story. Um, finals, finals odds? I, I was Well, no, like oh. the power rankings. Oh. And the Timberwolves were 21st. And, you know, and I'm trying to do the math in my head, and I'm like, I, I don't. I don't see a team that, you know, on its, on its, you know, value that I would say, oh, wow, there, you know, there's 20 other teams in the league better than them. But I mean, it's just, I think it's more a testament to just how good and how deep the league is. I mean, it's crazy just how really talented some of these teams are. And um, so, uh, you know, a lot's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. We've got the draft. I think that's why they're lower is because there's so many question marks. Right. You know, you go, even take the point guard position as the biggest question mark on the team. You know, like there's Jeff Teague's the only player under contract at point guard. So you, you just don't really know because if they bring Tyus back, then that creates a chain reaction to do something else. Or Derek Rose back brings a chain reaction to do something else. I think in the ambiguity of like, what the heck are the Wolves going to do this offseason with, you know, only having half a roster, you kind of maybe depreciate the asset some. I would say, I would say 21 is probably too low. It, I mean, particularly if they do handle the draft well and are able to maximize, you know, the the space that they do have to, I mean, they can get somewhat creative to improve the roster. I don't think the, I don't think it, the assumption should be they're going to be worse next year. Yeah. And well, and I mean, I don't see how it can be worse. I right. mean, you're not going to, you're not going to be entering the season under a dark cloud that is emitting lightning every four seconds. Um, and, you know, you're, you're hopefully not going to have, a repeat of the same injuries that they had to deal with. Um, you're, you're, you know, I I think it's, uh, you know, I'd be completely, absolutely shocked if there was a coaching change. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, the fact that there's going to be a lot more stability in that regard, I think just lends itself to this team, you know, that that's gotta be worth, you know, six, seven wins right there. Um, so what can they do in the, you know, but I think it's going to be so competitive. And I think that, you know, you, you mentioned what's happened with the Warriors. I think now, sure, the Lakers just took a giant step forward, but, you know, who are they going to put alongside AD and LeBron? You know, we'll see how that plays out. And, um, you know, but the, there's going to be a lot of parity. It's going to be a lot of parity. I mean, Dallas is going to be a lot better. 
Um, you know, Portland's still going to be good. Denver's obviously going to be good. I mean, the, the problem is I think the Timberwolves, they may be in the toughest division because, right. you know, you look at Utah's going to be good. Portland's going to be good. Denver's going to be good. Oklahoma City's going to be good. And you have to play all of those teams four times. So you got you got 16 games against four teams that probably should – you know, on, on this day today, I would say are, are, you know, clearly playoff contenders. So that that's going to be some tough sledding versus the other, the Pacific division is going to be down with the Warriors taking a step back. Um, although but I, they're still a playoff team. They're still, yeah, so. well, yeah. You still got the Warriors and now the Lakers are a playoff team and the Clippers. And, you know, obviously Phoenix is going to be some free wins for a lot of people. Um, I think the Kings aren't going to be a pushover. The division you probably want to be in this year is you probably want to be in the Southwest division because the Pelicans are going to take a step back, even with Zion. Are they going to take a step back, though? I mean, what did they win? 31 games last year? Like well, I could, that's, that's what the, that's a good point. Yeah. That's what the Lakers want the year before LeBron went there, where it was Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma in those guys first and second years they won 31 games that year right like that's a good point i didn't realize i wasn't looking at win totals win total wise maybe they do take a step forward you know um the at the, uh, the spurs the me is this the year the spurs finally are, are on the outside looking in i mean the rockets are probably still a playoff team uh i think the mavs are going to be a, a force to be reckoned with you know so you you basically the teams that are are on today's date mm-hmm. looking like you know, definitively, you can say, okay, these are the th- these are teams that are going to struggle to win. Are are Memphis and Phoenix? Yep, that's what I was going to say too. I, yeah, it's. I think even even let's assume everything goes right and the Lakers are like are the number one in the league and they're the most likely team to win the championship. Assume that you go like two to eight in the rest of the league, and it's. I don't know who has the second best. That's what I'm saying. There's so much parity. Yeah, like top-end parity. But unfortunately for the Wolves, I think, that parity kind of trickles down. It goes all the way down to like 13. (laughs) And then it, it, I guess, probably today, the Wolves are less likely to make the playoffs than when we talked at the end of last season. I mean, not that they're, they're, it's just, I'm not saying the Wolves did anything wrong. But you know what? Here's the interesting stuff. Because because of the parity, though, the number to get in probably goes down. I mean, you know, maybe it's for only 42 or 43 to get in because Mm -hmm. they're gonna. Everybody's gonna just be beating everybody else up, right? And the well, and you get to play the East. I mean, I think the East is gonna be the same thing where it's gonna have the the teams on top again. It'd be a handful of teams up there, but the, the West is going to. Remain the the That's dominant. Why I conference. was hoping AD would go east. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the, things are about to still shake up yeah. way more. Like, I who know? I mean, Houston that Tim McMahon came out with. I don't know if you saw that today. It sounds like very much trouble in paradise there, or not even paradise. I don't know. Like it, Kawhi. What's happening with Kawhi? Like. We, if we do a podcast again in well, another we're gonna, month, we're, we're going to be like, what well, the heck? Well, you and I are tentatively going to hook up in Vegas, so things will look oh, yeah. a lot different when we see each other then. Like in, in like a that? month. Well, Not even. Not even. Like three weeks. Yeah. yeah. It, well, because then, I mean. In, then it, free agency will have been, you know, the, a lot of the chips will have been, the big chips will have, will have moved. Yeah. And the, the draft will have happened. Yeah. The yeah. Dra- well, the draft's this Thursday, which is the 20th, and then free agency starts on the 30th. Yeah. And then it's they have that six day free agency window, yeah. July first through six, and it's summer league. Right. It just, I mean, the NBA. It's I've talked about this on previous podcasts, but it. I don't. It's it's so interesting to me how they've been able to 
drag this out essentially to make it very it's become a year-round a year-round lake which sounds really good and i agree and i like that it's it's good for my job right um but at the same time i think they're getting this point where things are starting to cannibalize other things you know what i'm saying like with the anthony davis trade kind of looming over like game six of the finals that was that was kind of weird and and now and then davis gets traded this week when it's the draft week and i, I don't know it Maybe it's just a surplus of content and that's just good. Like, yeah, the, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I can understand where you're going from, but you know, at the same time, uh, I, do, I just don't think there's any, you know, no, those such things is too much. Yeah. P and PT Barnum said there's, you know, no, uh, no, all publicity. There's no it's such good. thing as bad publicity. That's it. I guess so. Um, well, uh, the draft's the next thing right. coming up and it's, well, can, we, like can, it, wait, can we just talk about the lottery for one second? How, how completely insane is it that the Timberwolves have never moved up? Like, and I don't know why, but I was foolish enough to feel like I was like, this is the year. And I didn't well, think, the odds changed. I didn't think we'd move up to first, but I thought I, I for some reason in my head, I was thinking Timberwolves are going to move up to three. They're going to move up to three. They're finally going to move up. And I'm pulling the numbers off the top of my head, but I believe it's 22 years that they've been in the lottery mm -hmm. and they've moved down like 16 out of the 22. <laughs> like that's, yeah. it's unbelievable. It is. It's, I feel like I've already like taken that in and right. pushed it out. Like it, it's, it's just become, and it, it, but it's so much, it's so much worse for, as we talked about a, a franchise that is a, at a geographic disadvantage, yeah. it's, it's so much worse. It's exponentially worse. You know, if it happens to the, if it happens to the Miami heat or it happens to the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the Lakers or the Clippers, sure. It's not, <laughs> the Lakers not, jumped up. Yeah. It's the Lakers jumped up. And so, yeah. you know, it's, um, it's just, uh, it's just frustrating. It would be, it, you know, it'd be nice just once to, to have, have good news. And, and, you know, people think, oh, well, they got, they won the lottery with, Cat and yeah, that was a great year to have the first pick, but that was also on the heels of having a sixteen, 16 win season. Wins, yeah, the the thing is though, is it's going to change statistically. It's changing. the The odds have shifted. Like where the Wolves were with the tenth pick this year, they had a fourteen percent chance of jumping up into the top four. If you would have done that a year back before they changed the lottery odds, it was four percent. So it's like this is going to change. And the league, to their credit, is making adjustments to. You know, to make that happen. It's why New Orleans is up there. You know what, though? I, I think it was Zach Lowe who wrote a couple of years ago about um, a concept where it was like a draft wheel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, people could probably Google it and find it. But it was basically where, you know, you're, you're guaranteed a top five pick like every six years. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I just I, I kind of wonder if that's a better way to go mm -hmm. because, you know, it, well, it, that can be the best way to go my, my point is it's getting better and I, I think what we've been able to gather from the adam silver era is that they're open to listening to this stuff they, they're not going to be like this is the way we've always done right. it so we're going to keep it that way and i don't know sometimes sometimes change takes time and it sucks that the wolves move down again it, it does um but 
Although in this particular draft, I will say if you're going to move down like this, I don't know that there's a huge disparity between 10 and 11. Sure. I, I mean, I, we talked about it before we started recording. The huge disparity is between three and four. Right. Um, you know, you, I think those those top three guys, you pretty much know who they're going to be. It's, it's you know, going to be Zion and then probably John Morant and or RJ, uh, RJ Barrett. Mm-hmm. And then... And then that's what I guess leads me to the to the draft element. You could, if it's this, everyone's the same from four to fourteen. Then you could say it's easier to trade up. Trading up wouldn't require as much to trade up. But for me, I, I don't see a guy in that four, five, six, seven range where I go. This totally threads the needle of what this team needs, and I think it's worth attaching a somewhat significant asset to you. I don't, that's the thing too. It's, it's hard to know. It's like, what is the market? What well, would it cost to get it, up to four? You know, and, and part of that is did the Timberwolves see somebody at the combine or somebody in a workout that made them feel like, you know what, we, we should go get this guy. And, you know, uh, while, while this particular regime is probably the most transparent of any regime since I've been here, they're not quite that transparent. <laughs> I don't, I don't have that information. So, but they, they've worked out guys who, if you're looking around at mock drafts who are projected to go above 11th, which at least suggests the idea that, well, they're open to the possibility that they might, that player might fall to them or that maybe they will trade if the, if the price is cheap. Well, but I wouldn't read too much into that only because like what I said at the beginning, I also think that part of that is the new, you know, line of thinking that Gerson has that he's like, Hey, this is my opportunity to get in front of somebody who might yeah. develop into an NBA all-star. And maybe I'm never going to get that opportunity sure. again. So it doesn't cost anything to right. do it except for time right. really to just get them and there. a plane and, ticket. Right. Yeah. Like you can, you can afford that. I think, yeah. um, I, I, the, the way I'm looking at this draft is there's like a handful. It's kind of like three different ways. There's, there's a handful of guys who could fall to them. There's the right in that late lottery group. That's the, the being the second way it could go. Or there's trade back guys who maybe fit a more specific need and you pick up an asset along the way. For the fall to them, guys, it's it's hard. The, the only one that really pops out to me is Kobe White. I just think with Atlanta having both eight and 10, a guy, and provided they don't trade that, I don't see how Atlanta could could let a Cam Reddish fall past both eight and 10 or a Sakuda Mboya fall past eight and 10. Those, it seems like when you have the two picks, you would be willing to invest one of those picks in the more risky sort of guys. So it, but you also, but, but, you know, I mean, you're assuming Atlanta is going to keep both picks too. Right. I mean, what if Atlanta packages them to move? What if there is somebody they fell in love with that? Or what if right. they, what if they think, Hey, maybe we could get into the, into the top three. I mean, I don't think that the or four, uh, four yeah, yeah. is very available. Yeah. So four is very available. Um, and the Knicks are at three, right? Who's yeah. at two? Grizzlies. Grizzlies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah okay. So, um, you know, it's probably going to cost a lot to get into the top three, but you know, you could probably, I'm sure Atlanta, if they wanted to flip those two picks for four, New Orleans would probably do that in a heartbeat. Right. Yeah. I, it's, it's just, I, I, I again, I go back to the, those guys. I don't know if I love any of them right. for the wolves and not, it doesn't matter. What I think it's person's right. <laughs> choice, but, um, it does kind of more feel like it's going to be one of the Brand- the Gonzaga guys, Brandon Clark, Rui Hachimura, Nasir Little from North Carolina. And then 
Romeo Langford's kind of another one I'm, that feels like it will be available at that spot. Like if they're there, you have the opportunity to take them and it's kind of dealer's choice of, you know, who, who you like best out of that group. And it's, it's really interesting for me because if you like what they decide to invest in, what type of player they decide to decide to invest in there. If you, if you go with Hachimura, for example, and you're taking a stretch big, then, then it's kind of suggestive that maybe you bring back Tyus and Derek Rose. Cause you feel like the guard position is, is more taken, you know, right. Is it, it, it will be, it will be the first real tipping of their hand as to what the rest of the off season is going to look like. Because I think at 11, you can you can find a player of pretty much any skill set, maybe not perfect, but they're they're fairly defined. Like this is a big, this is a wing, this is a point guard, and and that will yeah that will allow us to start you know kind of you know what I, and, and I'm just kind of thinking here too. I mean, it's kind of interesting to me too how you know how you draft is going to affect free agency, yeah. but then you kind of wonder. Should the should free agency precede the draft? Yes, you know because then you then you, you know, know where the that? free agents fall, and then you can decide. Okay, we're not going to be able to fill this need in free agency. We need to draft to this position. Do you remember last season when the the Rockets like put together a like presentation to the league for well, how, how many points they got? No, right? no, no. That was a separate one. They put together a lot of presentations. But seriously, Maury and Rosas and that group like made a pitch to the league saying that it should be that it should be free agency first and then the draft. And I, I think that too, that's the way, I mean, I just know a lot more. I'm not a, don't pretend to be a draft expert, but you know, watch a lot more NBA than I do college. Right. And so for, for me, a lot of what I, the way I'm thinking about this is kind of reverse engineering it of like, what sort of guys can you get in free agency? And then because it doesn't seem like there's a perfect fit in the draft, you know, set your, set your sights on a free agent and then correspond with a, with a draft pick there because because the free agent's going to be able more likely is more likely to contribute immediately than you know the rookie. Well, that's just the you know the nature of it. Absolutely. If you're going to draft a 19 year old Romeo Langford, like it's, you're gonna who be, knows? You're, you're probably going to be hoping he's good in two years. Yeah, if that you know. Right. And right. I mean, there's plenty of guys drafted higher than 11 and Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris. Like, are they even going to be in the league? And they were top 10 picks, right? Two years, three years ago, whatever that was. Like, it's. The draft is a crapshoot, which is I'd be I I think it would be interesting to see free agency go first, and you know maybe that will happen. I I you know we'll see. What if they just did it all on one big night? <laughs> no, they won't because they got to be, spread it out. They got yeah. they got to spread it all out. No, I I I think that makes a lot more sense because you know you address the the things that are more known before you know the the rookies and just because that's. It's more ambiguous. Like, what is Brandon Clark gonna be? I don't even know what position he plays. Like, it's um, yeah, I think that would that would definitely be better. But but we're not in charge. We're not in charge. <laughs> and the wolves don't have that much flexibility right. to do oh, much. That's, well, that's the biggest problem, is you know, they it's as it pertains to this team. I mean, clearly it's um, you know, they're they're up against the cap. There's not and and this isn't let's face it, it's I think there's a different conversation to be had about how far you're willing to go into luxury tax territory when you're talking about, hey, this is a team that might be built to win a championship. Okay, you go to Glenn Taylor and say, you know, are you willing to are you willing to open the checkbook? It's a it's a different conversation. We're saying, hey, this is a team that, you know, if we do this and this, you know, we can we can 
we like our chances to be a playoff team. I don't know that, you know, the, what's, what's obviously I'm not making those decisions either, but you've got to decide what the value is. I, I think too, that the, the whole luxury tax concept, it's important to remember the luxury tax is really only punitive if you're in it for multiple right. years in right. a row. So, I mean, who am I to spend Glenn Taylor's money? But I think you can craft an argument to say, agree to pay it this year when you're, when you're up against it. And then make sure you dodge it the next right. year because that's the it's it's not the end of the world to you know to foot a small tax bill if it ends up being the difference between I mean, if they do that without running through everything. I mean, you could bring back Tyus Rose and get a mid-level exception guy. If you but if you can't go into the tax, you're picking between two of those three things. So if you if you find all three of those things, like we need all three of those things to be able to make the playoffs. Then you present that to Glenn and say, you know, this year it's going to be a $6 million tax bill, but we're going to duck it next year. Or you could duck it in the middle of the year. It's, I think it, my, myself included have become like, we've started to treat the luxury tax as a cap. Like this is like, can't, can't exceed it. That's not, that's not how it works. Like, right. Right. You, you can. Absolutely. It's just not desirable. Yes. Um, yeah. I actually, uh, I actually saw Glenn yesterday. I went to the Lynx game. And I had a conversation with him and I'll keep most of that private. But, um, you know, I will tell you that he is smiling a very big smile right now. He's feeling very good about uh, about where things are going. So, you know, I think if a persuasive argument was to be made about what you were talking about, I think uh, Glenn would at the very least, uh, you know, listen to it intently. I Gerson Rosas was asked about it at his introductory, like in the media scrum there. And it's public knowledge that the Rockets didn't weren't willing to pay the luxury taxes past year. And I mean, they, you could, the Rockets were a player away from being able to maybe go to the finals this year and maybe win it, you know? And I think they missed Trevor Ariza a lot. Exactly. And, and Rosa's what he said when he's asked about it, he's like, Glenn is committed to winning here. And right. he, he didn't, he didn't go in depth into it, but it suggested that it suggested that if they present a good argument to him and it makes sense that I think he would be, he'd be willing to do so. And, and, and for, you know, for all the people who, you know, love to say, you know, love to put Glenn in a negative light. I mean, Glenn is, Glenn wants to win. He wants to win badly. And, you know, the, 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 obviously the, the Tom Thibodeau era did not work out the way Glenn wanted it to work out, but I think Glenn deserves a lot of credit for, you know, he took a swing. He took a swing. He said, I'm going to bring in a guy to to run it all. Yeah. And, you know, it, it ended up not working out, uh, you know, the way that people would have liked it to work out. But um, well, who, know, who was against the Tom Thibodeau, Thibodeau signing at the time? I no mean, one. Nobody. It was it was the home run. Right. You know, and that just that goes to show you that the volatility of all of this. We think we know things. And you don't. Right. Like it. it the the way it plays out, it's revisionist history is is a thing and we start to treat that as reality and it's it's just not you know and um it could be it could be worse owners wise owner wise for sure and that's not to not to discredit or not or forget about the things that haven't gone well along the way but it's 2019 now like Let's look. Right. Let's talk about yeah, what's the coming. people who still want to talk about the fact that, you know, the organization passed on Steph Curry. It's like, okay, move on. Let's get over <laughs> that. <laughs> there, there's like, there's like six of those grudges, at least. That it's like, that was like a decade ago. Right. You know, and, but it, it's why it's weird though. It is why so many people are frustrated with the team and why it doesn't have 
the attraction that maybe the twins or the Vikings or some other teams do. And it, but it can turn quickly too. I, I mean, I, look at the twins last year. I mean, uh, yeah. it was like, you know, I mean, they, they, they couldn't give away tickets. And then this past weekend, it's, it's it, all three games are sold out. Uh, you know, I, it can, it can turn on a dime. Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota, uh, has such a great, fan base and such great support for the teams and and that the people want to come out they just want they just need a reason to come out i was i wasn't at the the lynx game yesterday but i was there on friday covering the covering the game and there was also the twins game going on at the same time and i'm kind of walking through the skyway and it's you know it's packed at target field with you know sold out and uh and then you know you go into target center and it's i mean for a, a it was one of the Lynx beat writers were like, this was the same attendance they had for the Lindsey Whalen, like retirement, Jersey retirement game. Like people come out there. There are fans here that will come out. I think it's, I don't want to say fair weather, but you gotta, you gotta start putting right. together a, a winning product and they'll come out more. That's just how it works. Right. In you sports. don't, like, yeah. I mean, it, 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 yeah, you'll get the fair weather fans, but I mean, you, you just, you need, you need something for fans to be able to, to grab onto and feel like mm-hmm. this is why I'm going to come. And, uh, you know, it's the, the Timberwolves have that with some individual players, but they haven't had that in a team concept, not at least enough. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the season before last was fantastic getting to the playoffs and ending the drought. And you did see during that year with what was a 15 or 16 sellouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I think, you know, the, the, the team starts winning and the fans are going to be back. It's, Basketball's popular. And in Minnesota it is too. Yep. It, it yeah. If you build it, they will come. Like it's that's that's what happened, you know, in Toronto too. Like uh, uh, yeah. to a, a much funny. bigger I, level. But. I, I was looking at the um I was looking at the parade photos from this morning on Twitter oh, and I, how many people were there and I I was like how many of those people actually went to a Raptors game? You know, but it's like <laughs> that that's when you get the Fairweather fans. Everybody jumps on the bad like, Oh yeah, I was there when they, you know. Well, that'll be me if the twins are if the twins are like in the playoffs, and I'll jump on the, I'll jump on the bat. Like, the, twin, the twins are going to well, be in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, They've bet- got like an 11 game lead <laughs> in their division. They're going to have their playoff spot wrapped up by the end of August. <laughs> They're bombas, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, what else do we want to talk about Wolves West? Uh, I'm just, well, Brian, obviously getting yeah, the job officially, that. you know, and I, I, I'm, and I, I will say, and I know Gerson has said this publicly and he has said it privately he was given an opportunity to hire who he wanted to hire. And I know there are naysayers out there and I won't say any names, but I've had people talk to me at the twins games. I was working over the weekend saying, Oh, you know, I don't really believe that, you know? And I mean, I believe it, you know, I believe that if Gerson wanted to make a change, he had the ability to make a change. I think that, you know, could you look around and say, okay, this person's a better coach and this person's a better coach. Sure. Based on resume, you know, and based on what they've done. But first of all, people discount the fact Ryan has 10 years in the league on an NBA bench. Mm -hmm. So that can't just be written off. And how many years was he studying basketball with his dad sitting in the room watching his dad break down video for before that? And Ryan gets the players and he knows the players and, and he knows the organization and he knows the city. There are so many reasons why Ryan makes sense. And it's not just because, oh, he's flipped son and it's sentimental. It's like, sure, that's great. That's a great storyline. And it's a great add on to everything. But I think that it diminishes what Ryan actually as an individual and as a 
basketball lifer brings to the table. And I, I think that people are going to be changing their tune pretty quick and see that Ryan is up for this task. And with a full training camp and a full off season and having these guys, I mean, clearly these guys are buying in players are in town. They're, you know, they're not just here full time all summer, but they're, they've been in and out of town regularly mm -hmm. and they're wanting to be together and they're wanting to build this chemistry. And, um, you know, th there's a lot to be said for that. And I think so much of what happens during the season is built by what, is what's developed in the off season. And I think we're seeing that now more than probably more than maybe this team ever has. Um, so uh, I'm genuinely excited to see Ryan uh, at the helm and I'm, you know, I I'm optimistic that it's, it's going to, in retrospect, you know, five years from now going to be, wow, that was, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see if the pendulum swings the other way. Oh, you know, that was such an obvious hire for Gerson. <laughs> but, right. And I, I think it's, Important to acknowledge, too, that Gerson got the exact assistance he wanted. And I just in the people I've talked to, like David Vantable, they were shocked that he left Portland to not have, get a head coaching job, which I think says a lot about his relationship with Rosas, his relationship with Ryan, which I know he has one with the, both of them. And that's about as good as you can do on the defense. To, as far as hiring a defensive coordinator goes, as I understand it. And so, you know, credit there. And Pablo Prigioni, the, on the other side of the ball, offensively, like Rosa, he was saying this on, on Thursday night. He's like, we have, we have young coaches who can get out on the practice floor and physically do the drills with them and, right. and show them. And I hadn't really thought about that before. I kind of actually was swinging the other way. of like, hey, is this just a really, really young staff? And it is a really young staff, but... I think there's value in that, particularly when you have your, I mean, key pieces on the roster are these young guys in Cat and Wiggins and Akogi who didn't connect as well with the older coach. And I, I think that's, there's better and worse coaches out there, but a, a huge element of coaching, I, I believe in 2019 is about the way you're able to connect the players. What we know we know Vantipool and Prigioni have that in spades, right? In in their other their other experiences, and and then Ryan has that Ryan has that here with with a lot of these guys. So who knows if it'll be the the right decision and the which way the pendulum will swing? But I think the process of of thinking about it and prioritizing relationships makes some sense given the personalities of Cat and Wiggins. Particular. Well, and I think the other extra layer with, with Pergioni is you're talking about a guy who's got so many ties internationally. Mm -hmm. You know, he knows what's going on overseas. He knows the people to talk to over there. So I think that that opens up a little bit more in terms of the Timberwolves opportunities, you mm -hmm. know. So uh, I just think there's there's so much to like about the way the staff has been put together. Um, will it develop? Will, will it turn quickly? Will this team you know, jump back into the playoffs this year and win 48 games or whatever. I mean, I, I, I can't make a prediction. We got to see what happens the rest of the off season. But I think that for the, for the long haul, I, I really like the path that this, this team is on right now. And Glenn's investing in it. It's, I understand it that, you know, it wasn't easy to pry away Vantapool and Prigioni. Right. Or, you know, and to, especially when you're still paying money to, to Tibbs. And, and laden too. Right. You know, I mean, that's a, now you have an expensive front office, you have expensive coaching staff and you're asking him to maybe pay the luxury tax. Like 
does that, I mean, if all that happens, like what more can you ask of 2019 Glenn, I guess would be, would be the question. If you, you forget about the stuff that's happened in the past, like addressing the now seems to be happening. And I don't know, it's, a, it's an exciting time. I, I, I think like get into it, you know, and say it just, it just seems, it seems not worth it to me to just assume the worst, right. you know, like well, why? I'm, well, but everybody does that just because of past history, you know, and mm-hmm. they think, oh, it's not, it's never going to work. At some point it's going to work. <laughs> I mean, do you think the Timberwolves, let's just say that they, they're here for another century, hopefully, and maybe even beyond and the NBA century. is still popular. Do you think they're not going to win a championship in the next century? I mean, at some point, it's like that some point the, the things have to turn for them. Why not now? It's it it's given where they were at last year, it's turned the ship is righted. Who knows exactly where it's it's right. heading, but it's it's so much better and, than it and, was twelve and, months and the, ago. And the NBA is wide open. You know, we should talk real quick about the injuries. I mean, I, I, it was it was crazy to. Uh, it was crazy and it was unfortunate and it was sad to see mm-hmm. um, two great players uh, go down on back-to-back nights and, you know, b- basically not only be done for the playoffs, but be done for next year and and how that's going to change the league. and Totally changes um, it. And, and, you know, listen, I, I don't want to take anything away from Toronto. Toronto is a th- – th- what they did was great. It's a great story and it's kind of nice in some levels to have a new a new team having the title. But is there anybody out there who really thinks that if KD and Clay were healthy, that that Toronto wins the series? I mean, no. I, I don't think there's any question. The Warriors, you know, as they're with their roster, if they're healthy, they're the best team. So luck plays into it, you know. But I don't think, I don't think there's going to be teams that good over the next decade. Oh, it's it, like it, almost impossible, right? I mean, it. it, it well. It was such a unique circumstance to be able to get KD there in the first place with the cap spiking. I mean, forget about that. Like, it's hard. We're we're talking about right now, the Wolves are capped out and they're like third best players, Andrew Wiggins. Like, it's it's tough. Right. It's tough to build a, you know, you've got to be in the right situation where, you know, you've got somebody that was willing to go there probably for less and realizes they have a chance to to win. Um, And, you know, and to get it to that level, not you not only did the cap spike, but they also the Warriors got really lucky and and they hit on all their draft picks. They hit on Steph. They hit on Clay. They hit on Draymond. You know, they I wouldn't even say lucky. They did a good job drafting. Right, right. And they all but they also hit, you know, people forget they hit on Harrison Barnes. And Harrison mm-hmm. Barnes, they were able to flip into assets. And um, you know, the and a, another big signing was they get a Godala to come. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can't really you can't discount the the importance of that. The guy won the finals MVP the first year that they won the title. So um you know they did they 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 hit home runs then they hit the grand slam with KD. Um you're right. Will will we see another team like that? I mean you never say never because everything's cyclical and mm-hmm. there'll be you know uh, there the, the, there will be yeah well, the, the Lakers might be yeah, super awesome. Right. The they, heat, the Heat were the super team before before the Warriors and the Lakers might be the super team after the Warriors and you know it's there, there's probably always going to be a really big fish in the league but uh, I think it's going to be harder for it to happen. The circumstances for it are, are going to be tougher I, to. I achieve. think the league is taking preventative measures to ever allow the fish to get that big. Right. I think that this the way the CBA has changed, and it, it's 
it's just really difficult to do. You got to build within. But but, but in some ways it is good for the league because, you know, you've got half the people love the Warriors and they want to watch because they want to see the team win. And you got the other people hate the Warriors and they want they mm-hmm. want to watch because they want to see the team lose. But in either case, you got people who are feeling like I need to watch this game because either I want them to win or I hate them and I want them to lose. <laughs> right. And that's good for business. Yeah. I'm just personally, I'm, I, uh, I hate that KD and Clay aren't going to, play next year. Yeah. They're two of my favorite, just like individual players to Well, and I don't know how the war, how are they going to pay them? I mean, I just, I, I'm curious. To, I'm going to be curious to see how that plays out, you know, with, um, you know, does KD opt in? Do they give K and any, any defers for another year or do they give KD the deal? What, you know, and I mean, the spending some time in the Bay area, the last couple of weeks, listen to the radio there. And you, we mentioned this briefly before we started rolling, but you know, uh, Joe Lacob has said he's committed to, to keeping everybody intact. And it's like, if they do that, then you are in the repeater form of the luxury tax. You're looking at over Big the time. lifetime of having them $1.6 billion. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't care how deep your pockets are. 1.6 billion it's, is going to leave a dent. It's a lot of billions. I, the, the interesting element to it, and you know, maybe for those not, you know, as well-versed in the salary cap is like they, if Clay and KD, or even if KD leaves and Clay can't play next year, it's not like they have space to go out and get something. Right. Like they're they're gonna have that the money same still thing. counts against the cap. Exactly. It's gonna be just another I mean, they got they hit it big with Demarcus Cousins for that taxpayer mid-level exception, but like that's what they're what, gonna have. What, again. what happens with him, by the way? I mean, he hasn't proven he's healthy. Who's gonna be lining up to give him big money? Anthony Davis. Well, I suppose. They, they, I don't know if we'll get reunited big money. in LA. They hey, they love each other. I mean yeah, it's the 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 ripple effect of the that's why the 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 NBA at large is it's it's so fun to follow all 30 teams. You know, you don't got to watch every single game, but to you know, to just kind of sit back and play like armchair GM with with all these teams, you can I mean, we could we could talk an hour about the different things the Warriors could do or the Lakers could do. It's like but the bottom fun. line is it's going to be it's going to be wide open next year. It's going to be wide open, and and which I'm, is awesome, you know. And, and I love pe- that. people are people are you know Vegas has already made the Lakers the favorite. Great for Vegas. I, I got to see what else. I got to see what other chips fall. I'm not ready to make. You know, listen, LeBron. You know, LeBron is, Le- is LeBron. The is LeBron going to be healthy? I mean, AD has been mostly healthy, but early in his career, he had injury issues. You know, that's going to be a big part of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know Magic was there last year. But if they try and round out that team in any fashion similar to what they did last year, like they're they're not. You're not the favorite. You're not the favorite if you bring if you bring Michael Beasley back. Beasley, Rondo, <laughs> JaVale. Like, okay. no, you you can't that won't work. Lance Stevenson. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know. I Rob Palinka is uh famously the agent who had Shabazz Muhammad turn down his four year, forty million dollar contract. With the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, I, I, I actually worked out with Rob Palenka and uh, and Shabazz out in uh, the uh, you know. Oh yeah, you're running the sand crazy hills. workouts. Yeah, how's Boz doing? Uh, he, I haven't seen Boz. I haven't seen Boz. I've been doing. The oh, workouts. you used to work. You you used were to, working. Yeah, out I'm Boz. still working out there. I haven't seen yeah. Boz there in a in a long time. He's all over the world. He's, he's all over the world. Worldwide, Boz. I hear, I hear that he's going to be. Um, my sources tell me he will be at the NBA veterans camp in Vegas. So maybe we'll see him out there. Played in China last year. Trying to, trying to get back in, you know, I, I listen, I like Boz a lot. I, you know, he, he, um, you know, he, he, he was good to me and I think he's a, you know, he's a, he's a good kid, but, um, you know, it's, 
man, yeah, I'm sure he wishes he had that chance to sign that that contract over again. Man, is that? And then he also to to get to Milwaukee, he turned down his player op. I mean, his player option, and then he ended up out of the NBA because of that. Like, yeah, that was. But to to the whole draft point, we're talking about he was the number one recruit out of high school. Yeah, like, look look how wild it could go, and it's. I don't know. I maybe if I had more time to watch a lot of college basketball, I'd be more into the draft. But every single time I find myself like it's such digging a cra- it's such a crapshoot. Hey, you know what? Everybody, you talk about revisionist history. I had a conversation with somebody about this the other day. It's like, you know, when Greg Oden came out, uh, and you know, and uh, uh, you know, you, people laugh about it now. It's like, oh, KD was the obvious choice. It's like, no, he was not the obvious choice. No. Greg Oden was the obvious. Choice. Greg Oden was like, he was so legit. He was a seven footer who you know beast. could do it all, and he was he was a franchise changing guy, and he got riddled with injuries. Who can predict that? You know, it's it's not anything you could predict. And I mean, I it is a crapshoot. It is absolutely a crapshoot. Fred Van Vliet, undrafted. All right. It was like, I was trying to, I was trying to like spend a day, you know, doing draft research. And I found myself like, you know, going down like a Nasir little rabbit hole. And I was just like, I'm just going to rewatch game six of the finals again. <laughs> I was like, I don't even, I don't know. It's just, it's, uh, it's basketball, but it's not basketball too. And it's it's so fundamental because if they do like if the Wolves nail eleven, if Sakudamboya is the next Pascal Siakam, they get him like total game changer for the franchise. But I don't know. It just it's just it's 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 hard to it's hard to project. Well, you know, I'm still optimistic that they might have you know got a diamond in the rough last year in Joshua Kogi, and I'm curious mm-hmm. to see how getting much more playing time than he probably would have gotten were it not for all the injuries he's able to right. impact him. And, you know, now he knows what he needs to work on this off season and how he needs to approach an NBA season. Um, he's been here a bunch. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very optimistic about that. He could, he could Kata take a too. step up and Kata. Yeah. Like if they, I mean, the Wolves have the 43rd pick too. If you can, you know, maybe Kata's like numbers or nothing like you'll jump off the map to you, but like if they get, if they can hit on something like that again, like and is, is Cam Reynolds gonna be, uh, you know, could he, could he be the the mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet for the for the Timberwolves? You <laughs> know, that would be bold, but yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah, it uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I was just, do you think all those guys will play in summer league? Like Jared's Terrell's around all the time. Creek's here. They're um, like living here this summer. I would think that those guys would be. Oh, uh, yeah, I think they're gonna play. I mean, I I don't think like. Is Okogi going to play? Okogi might, might play a game. Right. I don't think Okogi's – they're going to have Okogi roll out and play the whole summer league, but they might be one of those things where, hey, let's get him out there for a game. But right. um, You know, so they'll do that a lot of times with some of the guys coming back for their second year. So I've uh, been going to, to summer league for a few years now, and the Wolves team has stunk every year. And although they, been, Well, they did play for the title, like, what was it, three years ago? Three years ago, I wasn't – yeah, that was Denzel Tyus Valentine and, yeah. uh, and Tyus going head-to-head. And Ryan the was the coach. And Ryan was the coach. That was, a, that was actually – I don't say this very often. That was a hell of a game. That's some, <laughs> that, that championship game. It really was. It the the Tibbs era summer league teams were I just because I'm watching well, the there other was teams. Nobody on the t- team that was actually gonna even be able well, because everybody was all the, the draft guys were always unable to play. Oh Patton, yeah. yeah. But but even some of the other teams had like weird, interesting guys who end up getting like two way contracts and stuff. Like the Wolves teams stunk. Yeah. They've stunk at Summer League every year. And I think that it sounds like a small thing, but that matters. Like get a get a two way guy who can actually contribute. Like Emil Jefferson, Anthony Brown, Jared Terrell, CJ Williams, like all seem like great guys. None of them made any sort of impact right. on the Wolves the past two years. Like that 
it's those little things. Can you can you find can you find a can tire, you find a two way guy that's going to force you into making him a full time guy? Yeah, right. Like a lot of, that happens a, with a lot of teams across right. the league, and I, people always make fun of like me going to summer league and watching the games. I, I I don't know. I find that stuff interesting. It's it's the it's the subplot. It's the it's yeah. you know it's the uh, the preface to the book. Right. Exactly. Well put. Um, all right, we're we're up at like an hour now. You got anything else you want to plug? More pickleball tournaments stories? <laughs> no, they just you know follow me on uh, at tweet Dave Vance on Twitter, Dave Vance Insta on Instagram. I've been a little bit uh, not as active on the Instagram because um, <laughs> because you know that I, that that month I was in was nuts. So now things have settled down. I've actually gotten familiar with sleeping in one bed for a while, so that's <laughs> been nice. Good. And uh, yeah, but no, I'm I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to getting out to summer league and uh, you know if people. Yeah. Listening, I'm in town doing Twins games the rest of this week, um, doing a little bit of uh, pre and post. And it's been, uh, you know, I've been genuinely excited about doing that. I, I did a lot of baseball, you know, in other stops in my career. So um, I love doing some baseball. And uh, when the team is winning, it's fun. And right. uh, this team is a lot of fun. All right. Well, we'll do we'll do another pod when we're in Vegas. Cool. I think you're you're getting there a little bit after it's I like will. I'm, getting, I'm there the eighth through the twelfth. So. You're missing the first weekend. You're gonna miss the Kogi game. Yeah. Well. Okay. I'll tell you. I'll t- okay. I'll tell you quick. What well, no, I can't tell you what I'm gonna do. Okay. I'll tell you off the air what I'm gonna do because I can't be there before the eighth because um, my son and I. I'll just say, my son and I have a booth at the county fair where he lives uh, out in uh, Marin okay. County, California. Sweet. And the the fair runs the third through the seventh. Um, but I'm not going to say what the booth idea is because I think it's actually, it's, it's, it's like, it's a sneaky, good idea. I'm doing it with my son basically as a glorified lemonade stand, but, um, depending on how it turns out, it might actually be something that like, Hey, this actually could be a good idea. Maybe we need to like upgrade it to the Minnesota state fair next wow. year and see if it's That's actually expensive something that could estate. see if it could, well, it might be worth it. Okay. It might be a good little, <laughs> Hey, work the state fair for what is it? 10 or 11 days. And, yeah. and, you know, come out of it with uh, you know, a little bit of a uh, little bit Cash. of pocket change. <laughs> that wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> I'll All tell right. you off the air what okay. it is. <laughs> He's Dave, Dave Benz at tweet, Dave Benz, um, him and, Jim Peterson, as I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast know, knows, uh, make one of the best duos uh, around the league and in calling the game. So thank you, as always, for coming on and doing this. I know the fans look forward to or listeners, fans, I don't know what the word is, <laughs> hearing from well, you, and it's fun. Well, it's fun. I, I always love doing it with you, and uh, and thank you for the, the kind words. Um, you know, Jim and I love what we do. Cool. Uh, I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore MBA, and... Charlie and I will do a draft reaction podcast. If they trade up, they trade down, they who knows what's going to happen on Thursday, but we'll have something for you on Friday afternoon. So tune in for that. Until next time, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.